I don't believe digital connection makes community. You've got to get people in the room together. You've got to share experiences. You've got to tell stories. You've got to work through the myths. You've got to actually play what we did around the campfire. You've got to build a campfire, tell some good stories and see who turns up. Welcome to the First Opinions Podcast, brought to you by VBJ. My name's James Westgate, and every month I'll be speaking to practice owners, industry leaders, and KOLs to provide a 20-minute slice of life from the wonderful world of veterinary business. We aim to really lift the lid on practice life by talking about the things that matter to you, from finance to family, and hopefully have a bit of fun along the way too. Today I'm with Alan Robinson. Alan's a qualified vet and business consultant who through his firm Vet Dynamics has helped more than a thousand practices become more prosperous and more profitable. For me, he's the godfather of vet business and a man well worth listening to. So pin him back and we'll get stuck in. Hi Alan. Hi James, good to see you. Good to see you mate, you're looking well. Thank you very much, we're on fire today. It's been a great conference, just to fill the listeners in, we're at the uh, Vet Dynamics Conference in uh, Coventry. Been going 10 years now, haven't you? This is the anniversary of 10 years of our Platinum Groups, which is our group coaching model that we started 10 years. This is actually our sixth conference in that time, so yeah, it's gone from strength to strength every year. Um, so at this one, we're actually celebrating that 10 years of platinum practices. Okay, well, well, we'll mine into that a little bit later. But first of all, let's have a little bit about you, Alan. I mean, uh, most people know you're a vet, but give us a bit of your story from vet school onwards. Oh, it's a long story. It's been 40 years. I went to my 40th year university reunion last year now. Do the maths. I obviously started school at or veterinary school at age 12. Well, but, of course, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been a long old journey. Loved being a vet, um, sort of went, did the typical journey straight into vet school, came out, worked in Western Australia, mixed practice. It was the James Herriot view of the world, I must say. Um, worked there for several years, did the usual Australian thing, put my knapsack on, came to England, could do locums very easily. I worked in North London for a while, worked in Ilkley in Yorkshire. So there's my James Herriot dream coming true. I worked in equine. I worked just wanted to be a vet and get as much veterinary as, pos- as possible into the thing. Interestingly, though, as I, when I ended up owning my own practice um, in 1984, um, I was always interested in taking it further, doing things differently, more marketing, more client attention. I was very focused on people. A head full of ideas. Now, at the time, I didn't understand. I thought all vets were like that. Um, but I think I was slightly different than I was a very creative view of what was possible and I took things. In the end, that, pra- that business, I outgrew it and I had to do something different. I'd done a management diploma in amongst there while, while working. Um, I'd got involved with some other company. I was, was doing some technical training with a, a pharmaceutical company. Um, I was doing some emergency work with Greyhound. I was trying to do everything. It got too much in the end. It actually had, had, a, had a downside in, in terms of a divorce and other such things. So there, there was a midlife crisis built into all that. However, out of any adversity comes advantages, and I sort of reinvented myself in, in a business perspective. I actually left the veterinary profession for... Um, a good two or three years I was working outside the veterinary profession in consultancy. Do you think that gave you um, a new perspective 
that you've been able to bring to bear and the things you've done subsequently? Yeah, it did. And it's an interesting perspective in that I went into this other world of, and we were doing consulting for people like Shell and Blockbusters and Prudential, big corporate mm-hmm. organizations. But of course, the, the, tr- the really interesting thing that all the problems that they have were exactly the same problems vets have. Dealing with people, dealing with processes, making stuff happen. And I thought, actually, this is the same as it was in my practice. And this is stuff I struggle with. And so this is what I decided I needed to get better at. How do we help businesses perform better? How do we deal with people? Leadership came out of that. And of course, I was lucky that I had friends that pulled us back into the veterinary freshness and said, can you help me with these issues? So I built up a, a bit of a reputation as a veterinary business consultant. So it was kind of an organic process yeah, to it, start very much. It was, it was it, I know I do a lot of planning and stuff with my clients now, but it was a very organic growth. Um, very, very fortunate in that I ended up working with Fort Dodge on the Fort Dodge Index, which gave me a, a platform to be a guru upon, I suppose. Verbac were very good to me as well. They gave me some, some work working with their vaccine growth program. So both those things set me up very well in that space. Um, and uh, I became a bit of a, the data guy and the Fort Dodge Index guy, which helped a lot. I mean, very good companies to work for. Obviously, long uh, Fort Dodge long gone these days. But um, the other thing is it gave me a real insight into the mechanics of how a business works. Made me look back on my own career and say, my God, how did I actually survive? So I, I had a, a personal feel for how vets actually felt in business, but I could also see the mechanics and the ways I worked around it. So it's been really... Uh, an interesting journey, I must say. And what would you say was the driving ethos of Vet Dynamics and why you set it up? I mean, obviously, you saw opportunities. People gave you opportunities. You took those opportunities. You did develop that side of things. But, but why? What was the driving force for Vet Dynamics? Was it you could see that there were lots of vets struggling with the same problems you'd had, and that you could really make a difference? And why were you so convinced that you could go in there and help them? And build all this and you've helped hundreds of practices turn things around now haven't you yeah uh, interesting question i mean uh, perhaps a degree of ignorance or arrogance i'm not sure which probably uh, need take, a bit of both when setting uh, off on uh, something I like that don't so, you i think so um a need certainly i mean this is a different world we're talking now 2000 to 2005 2010 different world we lived in we had early days of corporates maybe cvs but not really it was very much the independent world practices struggling with that um, to be honest, from Vet Dynamics perspective, um, that really didn't go into 2009. Before that, I was very much a one-man band doing my consultancy with those companies I mentioned, but also doing my own work. It was literally killing me. So I was back to the working as hard as I was in practice and being as damaging to myself in practice. So there was a habit in this, in that I, you know, watching your own behavior, watching yourself repeat the same mistakes was happening. It was actually, um, my brother came out, how health scare as a result of that. I, I needed to stop and slow down. And my brother came over, so I'm, which I think you've met. Yeah, Lee's uh, a great guy. Yeah, so he, he's well. been yeah, my best friend since childhood, yeah, uh, all our lives. Um, and he came over while I was recovering from this treatment. Um, and he said, mate, you've got to stop working so hard. And I said, yeah, I know that. And he said, but you can't keep doing it on your own. Let's build one of these businesses. So we actually looked at other business models. We went out and looked at the internet marketing world and we look at the coaching world and we look at different things. And I said, why don't we do it this way, get vets to come to us and build up this system that way. And that was 2009. And he was very instrumental in setting up that model. And you know, we were told, well, vets aren't going to pay that money and they can't get out of practice, but they did. And to be honest, this is the 10-year anniversary. That's 2009, 2019. Uh, 
we've invited all that original 10 practices to this conference tonight, today. Okay, so they're here, and that's who we just met in the, in the parkway. Some of those vets are coming back. So this has been a long incubation of those people uh, coming back to us. I ran it for one year, did the work I thought I could do with them. They really loved it. End of that year, they said, what's next? I said, what do you mean, what's next? And they said, well, you've taken this this far, so let's keep going. I said, oh my God, do I have... So I was expecting that's 12 months, do it again. And it just rolled on there. We've just launched our 19th platinum practice right. this year. So, so you created a bit of a monster, didn't you? It's been good. Of course, I've had to get on extra help. I've got four coaches on the road who are great. Yeah, you they want to give them a them. shout out, Al? Yeah, well, we've got Debbie, who's, who's coming from outside the veterinary profession. I mean, that's a brave move for anybody, but come with a strong, strong business um, understanding. She's run her own business, done management buyouts. She's come in with the coaching qualifications, really good with the people side of things. Um, is challenged by working with vets, I must say. We've got Will Marie, who's come in from... Um, the corporate world, she works Vets for Pets doing implementation, implementation setups. She's mm -hmm. our veterinary nurse, uh, so she's really powerful on the, on the systems and process side. I've got Libby, who's a vet herself, um, but she's come from a corporate world, decided to be a vet later in life, developed that, has now gone back into coaching and development. Um, and we've got Tim, who's actually come from the pharmaceutical world, uh, represented as well as practice management, very strong on practice management systems that way. So between a real mixed bag of skills and capabilities, um, good framework of stuff we work with, and we've evolved products, we've done the platinum, we've now do the goal, which is what the online coaching process. But behind all this is, is actually going way back to the Fort Dodge days, my data processing mm -hmm. skills have come to the fore and we've, we've got the index, which actually drives this KPIs performance indicator. So it's a, we've got this nice machine that works because well um, I mean, this is your you say sixth conference now, isn't it? Six or seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, a few. I've been through a few, and, and I've heard you talk many times, and it seems to me that that and I've visited many veterinary practices as well that they can be chaotic places, and bringing these systems in and these processes and the benchmarking and everything. In theory, it's great, but yeah, in practice, there's the real challenge, isn't it, to be able to get these people to go away and do it. And I mean, obviously, being part of the community, that's much easier. You're only a phone call away, or you guys come out and you visit the practices and help people. But it can be a challenge, can't it, to actually step up and say, no, this isn't what I want anymore. This business isn't doing for me what I wanted it to do, or for the clients, or for the people who work here. But it's important message to say that there is help out there, and there are things you can do. As chaotic as it seems, you can bring order to that chaos. Maybe never completely order the chaos, and I don't think maybe some vets would want that. But no, no, it's, 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 not, it's not a challenge. It's not an ordered world we live in, and no. so we'll never get that. Uh, you make some good points, James. I think one thing you, you mentioned is, is actually vets are stepping up and saying they're asking for help. Now, for vets to do that is a big ask. So you've got to give them you know, a big shout-out for actually stepping up and say, look, it's not what I imagine. It's not how it is. I need to do something different. And we could tell you all sorts of stories around that. So that's number one. They are stepping up and asking. Times have changed. We've now got you know, 60 70% of the profession who have opted out of practice owning into a corporate world, which is fine, which is perfectly good model uh, for those people who, who can come along in that world. What's left is a more pressurised independent sector, um, under more pressure competitively, marketing-wise and otherwise. Of course, recruitment, as you know, your... your uh, 
you know so well about is is um, a key problem so just for them to get out of practice and one of the secrets of the platinum program that we run is we get them out of their practice into our environment and then we have a better chance of influencing and helping them that way that's getting more difficult as well that we, they just can't haven't got the staff haven't got the teams haven't got the vets to actually come away for that amount of time so we're trying to do more in practice but that is a harder gig for us as well i must say so times are changing quite dramatically um but it's just raising the 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 need in a way that we have to step up and actually find new ways and use new technology to help them and you say times are changing and vet dynamics you and everyone within it have adapted to those changes over the years but one thing hasn't changed and that's you the, the the champions of independent practice and that brings us back to the title of this year's conference which is staying independent a road less traveled i mean why did you pick that title specifically um this is probably where i differ some from a lot of it so I'm, I'm massively into personal business development i mean i read an excssive amount of stuff i can have three it's scary how many books i mean you were giving books away the other yeah, day weren't that was my, it was I gave my library away public libraries year. so yeah daunting last year so i absorbed that now and one of the first books i ever read in in terms of that was a classic by a guy called m scott peck uh, called The Road Less Travel. And it was about spirituality. It's about um, love and compassion and how we need to really re-engage our very logical, cynical world in some ways back with the, our true purpose and, and needs in life. And it's yeah, it's, a, it's a personal development book. And um, I loved it. I thought it was really good. And I had my original copy on the bookshelf. So last year when I actually degaussed my library, I, that's one I kept and took out. And it was at the beginning of this year when they were saying, well, what's the conference about? Give us a theme, because my team need a theme to work and I need to develop. I just happened to pick that up in a moment and read through it. And some of the things just resonated. And we, in the conference today, both David and I used a lot of quotes from that book to actually give yep. the message across to our vets. And it was such a resonant thing. But if you then looked at it purely as independence are now on a pathway there's not the old pathway because that's changed it's not the new pathway of corporates it's a brand new road it's not even a road less travel it's a road even not even carved yet they're kind of laying the tracks yeah, as they go along very much they? so and no one knows where it's going to end up and no one knows what we need on that road and that's kind of what i'm just putting to people i'd like to give them some solid answers and say it's going to be okay this what is but to be honest we can't okay we just got to go with faith and compassion and empathy and you know work our way forward with this but we've got to go as a community because the safest way to travel on that sort of road is together is really what we're looking at so a little bit deep perhaps but that's what i felt in the in the time and that's what we've really tried to put together for this two days i think when people do feel supported in that way they're more likely to take those messages on and and, and stick with it so why is it important that the uk retains a healthy independent sector or is it not important Time will tell on mm. that one. Time will tell. We've seen other industries go the same way. We've seen opticians. We've seen you know, accountants. We're seeing all sorts of other professions going that way. Um, the health, there's always been a bounce back of healthy independence, regardless of what happens. Vets are very much driven by autonomy. We like to do it our own way, and that for uh, sort of dictates independence. We like mastery, getting very good at certain things. We, without constraint of a corporate master, perhaps, but I'm sure, you know, the corporates are delivering a lot of this development as well. I think the, then the bit left over is purpose. Why did we become a vet in the first place? And it probably wasn't to be business people, but it was to do as good a job as we can. And I think 
The corporates will catch up. They've got a lot of issues around scale and growth and acquisition and all sorts of things to do with, and their eye will be off the ball for a long time. I don't think there's any blame in that. That's just the way these organisations grow. There's something about a vet that gets up every day, goes to work, does his best, deals with the challenges of work and teams and clients, comes home, deals with the challenges of of family and time and recovery, etc., in an independent world, the entrepreneurial spirit, I think that holds a level of integrity that I really admire in people and I want to support that for them, whether they know about it or not. Um, I think in a corporatized world, we'll have good, in, good people who are willing to turn up and work hard. I mean, there's always people like that. But when you're doing it for yourself and your own creation, there's a difference, there's a, there's a different level of activity going on. Um, I think we've lost a lot of that. I think independents are struggling and I think vets are being disillusioned and I think we've got a huge amount of problems. Brexit and every other thing going on doesn't help for sure. But if we can just hold on to that, I think if anyone's going to hold on to that integrity and purpose, it will be an independent-minded vet that does it. And I think clients will have a say in this as well, won't they? They're not silly. I mean, they know what they want. And you probably wouldn't notice the difference going into a CVS or an independent practice. The vets are vets and they practice good medicine. But people do like to support independent businesses. We all do. I mean, we all do. We've seen it happen with globalisation and the internet and huge companies and buying so much stuff. And there's a bit of a reaction against that sometimes. And people think, no, well, actually, I'll have a dig around and go to the old hi-fi store in the high street or you know i shall go and buy my groceries from the little grocer down the road rather than the big supermarket on the end of the street i mean there is a certain amount of that especially when you throw that human animal bond into the mix it's a Mm. it's It's a a very special thing that isn't it and that will inform how people decide and where people decide to take their pet it's a complex business model and i mean there's place for everybody some people just want the convenience they'll always buy from amazon they'll get it delivered and that'll work for that sort of thing good price convenient but why not you wouldn't would do that but then some people hate amazon because it's a big megalith corporate but there are really really good corporate practices and there's some really really good independent practices but equally there's some really rubbish corporate and independent practices Mm -hmm. so i don't think the corporate independent thing is as strong a problem as we make it it's always been that way the corporate model certainly could have some problems and that needs to be addressed internally with corporate models. That's their problem, okay? I just don't want there to be the human wastage as a result of that. I want that to be picked up. And I think there is a danger of human wastage at all levels. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to save the profession. I'm not trying to save the world. I'm trying to help 150 practices that we work with in the best way I know how. And if I can help their teams and I can help their consciousness and I can help their feeling of a place of safety and I can give them the support business-wise or otherwise that we can do, well, we've solved some purpose. And it must be incredibly satisfying to have achieved that through Vet Dynamics, isn't it? And to have people you helped 10 years ago still wanting to show up and say hi on the 10th anniversary, I mean, that must be pretty awesome. Yeah, I can add frustrating to that, but it is awesome as well. There's there's bits and pieces. It's a journey, and I mean, if if we're daunted by challenge, this isn't the journey to be on, that's for sure. I mean, every day is get up, do what's different. 
To be honest, James, I love what I do. I, we did an exercise today and it was this wheel of life thing. And you say, well, how's your business? How's your life? How's your finances? How's your family? It was a process for the vets just to see how well-rounded work-life balance is. I did the exercise because I was listening to Libby deliver. And to be honest, I was scoring very well on all those aspects. And that wasn't just trying to fool me. I was working very hard to find low scores. Um, I've found a niche for myself and hopefully that for Vicky and I that's going to be the way forward for us I love working I love working with people and if I can bring my team in the same process and put them and they get as much out of it as we do and then we can just roll that value out not just in this country but of course other countries as well now I mean that, I mean that's the way you run vet dynamics and I guess that's exactly the way you want people to be leading and running their veterinary practices isn't it yeah I want get people to have board. that joy it's no good the leader having it all in their head. It needs to be a team thing, isn't it? And that's always been a strong element that's come through. But a question. Say I'm a, a young vet and um, I ring you and say, uh, Mr. Robinson, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give me if I was looking to set up my own independent practice? I've had a couple of phone calls and two vets have turned up, two very young vets have turned up to this conference because we invited them. They both rang me and said, look, I'm a vet, I've just graduated, or I'm, I've been graduated for a few years now. I love being a vet, but I want to do this manually. I want to work with people, actually. I want to work with people in the veterinary profession because they, they were sort of telling me the story that I would have perhaps told 25, 30 years ago. So you had to sort of resonate with these people and say, yeah, well, come along, see what we do. And they said, so how can I get into this world? Now, and the advice, I, the only advice I could give them, they, they couldn't say, guess the job, but I, I haven't got a job for those people. I just I said, read and learn and absorb and suck in everything you know about personal development. And the same answer probably that applies to for you're setting up a practice. Your business will only be as good as you are. So yeah. make yourself the best person you can be. Okay, and whether you become a you know a vet or a dentist or anything else, it doesn't matter. Your business will only be as good as you are. So it's a permanent personal challenge to lift your game, lift your game, lift your game, and be the best person that you can be. So that's a good piece of advice for the uh, hypothetical young vet. What would you say the best piece of advice you've ever been given in life or in business? Possibly the the one that's probably most counterintuitive. It's again a bit of personal reading, personal development. Um, the answer is whatever happens, whether it's adversity or whether it's, it's, it's success or whatever happens comes your way, do nothing. And the do nothing is actually just give yourself some space to see what's in that because what is a success could actually flip around to be a disaster. What's a disaster, as we've often found in life, flips around and something good comes from it. But if we sort of just keep barging into this stuff, we miss that moment of opportunity. And I think what I've been blessed with is opportunities. I've missed lots of opportunities, but I've picked up on a few and picked up on a few of those that have taken me places that I'd never dreamed I'd be and joy. So the, the whole just stop, do nothing, okay, and just connect back with, with the world. I mean, I'm not sure if that helps anyone. I've given that little bit of advice to one or two people and they kind of tell me it works. That's, that's not a bad, uh, not a bad piece of advice, Alan. You guys have helped transform the fortunes of hundreds of practices, and you must have seen a ton of different business situations. But what are some of the most common problems you and the rest of your team encounter when you might go into a, a struggling veterinary practice? Someone who's called you up and said, "Look, guys, we need your help. Things aren't going right. I'm losing money. I'm losing sleep. My marriage is on the line. Things are just not 
good for me right now. Please come in and help. Otherwise, I'm just going to sell it all in and, and give up. What would be the most common problems, you'd say? What are the, usually the issues there? Okay, and James, what you just gave me was kind of hyperbolic, but to be honest, we have those conversations every day of the week mm-hmm. about in, about the marriages and yeah. mental health. It's, it's, well, I've heard you say the same yeah, thing. It, so. it, it's there. So um, typically we're presented with the symptoms. What's wrong? So there's no money, there's no time, we're working too hard, the work-life balance is killing me, um, I can't find a way out of this, and there's a desperation goes with that. That's that's the sad end of it. Okay. If you drill back, so if I turn that into the management consultant, it sort of falls into a couple of areas. They're either, there's four areas. So it's clinically, they're doing their best job. They're vets. They're probably pretty good at the clinical stuff. Um, now, whether they're charging for that and creating value and creating financial reward for that is a primary, primary problem. So there's an underlying belief in vets around altruism and social contract of who we are as vets. There's a whole lot of belief around money and whether we deserve it or should have it or whether we're judged on money is a whole mind block stuff going on. So the financial stuff is usually the typical symptom. We're not making any money because money is is a wonderful thing for feeding the kids and paying the school fees and paying the mortgage. Certainly helps, I, I, yeah, certainly haven't thought helps. of anything better up to this point. But vets seem to bypass that. Employed vets, there's a tendency, I'm not saying all, but some seem to think, now I'm here to do the vet work, I have no responsibility for money either, is another mindset we get. Look, you pay me a good wage, but I've got no responsibility to earn you any money. It's, it's a bit of a strange thing that does pop up occasionally. So that's a deep-seated thing that comes through uh, the identity of being a vet, our training, our development, and certain aspects of being a vet. There's studies on that. Second thing is cultural fit, um, of actually fitting in as a team and team members. So this is asking people to understand themselves in terms of their uh, self-management, their emotional management, and then their social management in a team. And that's where they often come in. People get burnt out by other people is the biggest challenge we find uh, in that. And I would say that comes back to a very, not a very strong self-awareness and therefore a self-management of your own skills, which just comes back to this develop yourself first. Because that, if you're not a leader of a team, you're a leader of yourself at least. And that's really the piece that's missing. Um, and it's, it falls into one of those two camps. I've got no money or, or the team's awful or both is kind of the, the key things. But of course, you can take layers and layers off that and um, start to dig down. We get to you know, core um, business. Vets are very compassionate people they give and they give and they give until they can't give anymore that's another problem this martyrdom process okay they're admired for it uh they get you know admire, uh, they get the real reward for it but it, it's 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 self-defeating in a way so just finding people's balance and unfortunately this whole thing stems right back to a typical vet would have decided to be a vet at age five six or ten or twelve or something so they've never seen another piece of the world outside that for many of them it's a it's a a lot of background we need to untangle with pieces so until we can pull them out of that environment show them examples of success from other people it's a long slow process uh something going on a bit but it's it's a job for life it's a job for life in that um it is hard it, it it's and I'm being a bit damning on that. Not all vets. Some vets really get it. They really fire on. They're, they're making a difference. But they're challenged by then the other people there. I mean, it is a lot to do with the kind of people they are, obviously, coming, yeah. speaking about it objectively. But the, the vet schools get blamed for a lot. But 
you know they, they could be job. they have got a big job to get all that clinical stuff into these young people's heads in five years and then to start saying you should really be looking at going through some of these business dynamics maybe having a guy like you coming in for rather than just say a um, a morning a semester or something actually have that embedded in the course but the curriculums are so full these yeah. days. So I'm not sure. We've got another initiative we're doing. It's called the Thrive Initiative. And this is something we're doing just part of the, the, the deal. We're actually trying to get into universities and set up um, health and welfare and resilience factors in, in, the, in the students. Where, you know, students suffer from stress as much as qualified vets. They've got exams, they've got pressure. They're in a pressure cooker. Um, and we've had some sex. One of the vet, one of the new graduates that was in our Thrive program has come to the conference this year. So she's here um, to see what we do, which is great. And maybe looking for a job as well. Well, we put her yeah. out there. We, we're, yeah, we're, I saw, yeah. yeah so there yeah. she is. Um, and yeah, got to give her credit for, for turning up like that. That shows real initiative. Um, so we're trying to do that. We're trying to get back into, get to root cause back into universities as much as can. But there is a key question there. Does the education system generally work well, that didactic, here's the facts, learn it, regurgitate it later? When I own the planet, we'll do it very differently, for sure. Okay, what we'll do is actually... I'd back back you as global leader, Alan. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll put that (laughs) out. As long as you give me a decent role somewhere in your government. That'll be it. So uh, if if we can... I've become more and more of a believer of... Your personal development drives everything else you do. You've got to have that sense of consciousness. I think it's a societal thing. I think there's a whole lot going on around that that we need. I think we as a profession are a microcosm of that and we have a special situation we're working within. Um, But we see it in teachers, we see it in doctors, we see it in nurses, we see it in any healthcare um, education type profession. They've all gone too far to the sort of hardcore left of the world we've lost that compassion and connection and so if anything vet donates does it's built community That's i was going to i was going to jump in on that actually because you mentioned a lot of the medical professions um there's a tendency for vets practice owners and that feeling of isolation and i was just going to touch on that community and and how important is it that independent practices and owners and clinicians can feel part of something bigger i mean be it vet dynamics be it something else be it an online group be it you know there's all these facebook groups and various different close groups mushrooming them up how important is it that these people can reach out for support and hear stories and understand that they're not going through this on their own that their experiences aren't unique I might be old and curmudgeonly, I think that might be it, but I, I look at the world, and I mean, in our household, I've, and not household, but in our family, we've got grandchildren who are 6 and 11, um, we've got Vicky's children who are 21 to 25, we've got my children who are 31 to 35, we've got Vicky's sort of 50s, I'm sort of a bit older than that. So we've got this vast range of, of age group, these different demographics, in our, and we are in the most connected world we've ever been in, in terms of social media and connection and handheld devices and computers and email and everything. We're more connected than we've ever been. We have more access to information than we've been. But we're more stressed and you're not neurotic and burnt out than ever. So where's the paradox in that? What is missing? And I think connection is, is, a, is, is the wrong word because until you sit opposite a table with someone and can look at them in the eye and have a discussion and read the body language and listen to the tonality of the voice and pick up on that stuff you're not really connected and I don't believe digital connection makes community you've got to get people in the room together you've got to share experiences you've got to tell stories you've got to work through the myths you've got to actually play what we did around the campfire 
You've got to build a campfire, tell some good stories and see who turns up. And that's what this event's all about, isn't it's it? A great bonfire over there, I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, I'll bet. And be a good one later on, I should yes. think. It's a social this evening, isn't it? So, uh, last question then. What's the best thing you've ever achieved in your career? Every year that we have these conferences, I burst into tears at some point. Okay, I'm not a particularly emotional guy, but I get up on that stage. I get, I'm getting quite welled up at the moment just thinking about it and just seeing the creation, whatever it is. And I'm not taking credit for it because it's the team and it's the people in the room, etc. But there's a, again, come back to that word community. There's people there for a common purpose because they've volunteered to be there. They put their hand up and said, they're not there for help. They're there for connection. Now, one thing we say, we started Vet Dynamics, the, 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 the platinum groups, and we offered them extra £50,000 per vet per year and improve your profitability and your turnover. And, your t- and we promised them all that management shizzle, okay? Mm-hmm. And they came for the first year and they enjoyed that and they got some of those results. They came for the second year, but they've stayed now for 10 years because of the community. Guarantee that, okay? So that's, that's probably what we've achieved. We've built a small profound community and we get feedback on that and it makes the difference in people's lives and if that's what happens that's what happens that's probably what um i'll take to the grave and i think that's a fairly nice place to leave it alan so can i just thank you ever so much for your time and uh i'll let you go and put your black tie on and get ready for your speech later on james thank you very much always a pleasure thank you, you very much cheers alan. me again i'd just like to thank our guest i'd like to thank you guys for listening and also to remind you if you like what you heard please leave a review on itunes and tell all your friends about the podcast and we'll see you next time for the next installment of first opinions